Well, good evening, Randolph Street family, and Merry Christmas to each of you and your families, those of you joining us here in this room, those of you joining us online this evening. Thank you for being a part of what is a yearly tradition here at Randolph Street, a time for us to set aside uh, each Christmas Eve to kind of slow the pace down a little bit in our lives and to pull out of maybe some of the hectic aspects of Christmas and holidays and to come here and to sing together, to read the scriptures, to hear the word proclaimed, and to kind of settle our hearts and minds in the significance, the meaning, the mystery of all that we celebrate when we speak of Jesus Christ, the God-man. And so this evening, I pray that that would be, um, that would happen in each of our hearts as we hear the word read and sing these incredible truths that you will be caught up in the wonder and the mystery that is Jesus Christ and that your hearts will be led to worship of our great Savior. Amen? Amen. A couple of housekeeping details. don't like to do this on Christmas Eve, but if this is your poinsettia, if you have ordered a poinsettia, please take them with you when you leave tonight. Thank you so much for participating in that. Uh, as we remember and honor those who have been very special in our lives, uh, you have been very kind to purchase these, and so uh, please take them on leaving this evening. When you walked in, you should have grabbed a little candle. Uh, hopefully you did get that. If not, uh, when we're singing our first song, feel free to walk back. Uh, there's a little table set up in the very back center over here on the, my back right, your left, uh, that have those candles. At the end of our evening, uh, we will light those candles. Some of our ushers will come down the aisles and light them. This is one of the few things we do all year that takes a little bit of coordination on your part, okay? We don't pass offering plates, we don't pass communion plates, but you're going to pass candle and light each other's candle this evening. So ushers will come at the end, they'll light the center, uh, folks setting toward the center aisle and over here on the edge, and you will light those in your row, and then we will stand and sing Silent Night to end our evening. So, again, thank you for being here this evening. Let me pray just ask for the Lord's blessings upon our time together that at the end of this evening, uh, we walk out of this room, we will know that we have honored and praised our Savior, Jesus Christ. So join with me as we pray together. Well, Father, on this Christmas Eve, it is with grateful hearts we enter into these few moments together, setting aside just all that we've been engaged in throughout the day and thinking about tomorrow to set our hearts upon the significance of what we celebrate this Advent season. So Lord, let truth rise up into our hearts through song, through reading, through the preaching of the word. Let truth, the truth of Christ, Take hold of us once again this evening and let us be caught up in that truth. The eternal Son of God taking upon himself humanity for us and our salvation. Let that ring in our hearts and minds as we sing these songs and read the scriptures together. Father, thank you for sending your Son. Thank you for the plan that you, your eternal purpose in Christ to save sinners like us. And so we gather here this evening, and we celebrate you, our God, and the grace you have shown us in Jesus Christ. So help us now, 
uh, as we spend these few moments together. We pray that in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Please stand. Let's sing together. Caesar Augustus, that all the world should be registered. That was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. 
And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on peace among those with whom he is well pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And they came to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was a righteous and devout man, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was up on him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And now for the Apostle John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being That has come into being. In in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. 
For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this evening. Please stand. Let's continue to sing together.
my joy to be able to address you this evening to share some thoughts that God has placed on my heart that I trust will be a blessing and encouragement to your souls this evening. There are so many themes that are naturally embedded in the story of the incarnation of our Lord. Joy, peace, salvation, wonder, mystery, and many others. This evening, I'd like to take a few minutes simply to explore the precious theme of hope as it is noted and seen in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Hope can be defined, biblical hope can be defined this way, a confident expectation based on the words and the character of the person or group creating the expectation. Let me say that again. Hope can be defined as a confident expectation, and it's not based on us, but based on the words and the character of the person or group creating the expectation. A good way to understand this definition is seen in Psalm 62, where David says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope or expectation is from him he only is my rock and my salvation my fortress i shall not be shaken on god rests my salvation and my glory my mighty rock my refuge is god there are a lot of words that we think of in connection with the theme or the idea or the concept of hope Words that are on both sides of the thought of times when we have hope and time when our hope is waning. The term promise, waiting, enduring, doubting, mystery, covenant, unknown, searching, patience, angst, confusion, peace, and many more. Probably the most common term that we see connected with hope in the scriptures is the term promise. God made a promise to mankind shortly after the fall in the garden, a fall that would plunge mankind into sin, darkness, death, and hopelessness. As the Apostle Paul describes it as he writes to the church in Ephesus, that they were dead in trespasses and sins as result of this fall sons of disobedience and by nature were children of wrath having no hope and without God 
in the world. The promise that God made is found clear back in the book of Genesis shortly after this fall plunged man into sin. It's a simple promise. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He's addressing Satan here. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The promise is stated emphatically and without any qualifiers. A promise that gave hope that everything would be made right with God. Hope that was anchored in an unknown person, shrouded in mystery of something of the miraculous, the seed of a woman, a virgin giving birth. All throughout the Old Testament, we see hints, shadows, types, prophecies, and many related promises of a Messiah, an anointed one. The seed of Abraham, he is called. The lion from the tribe of Judah, a descendant of David who would rule his people, the Passover lamb, one who would be pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, one who would bear our sin and make intercession for us. But there was a problem. The great problem that always confronts hope is the fact that it is slow in coming. Year after year, decade after decade, century after century after century came and went. But the promise of this Messiah, this King, this Savior remain just that, a promise, an unfulfilled promise, a wavering hope, an overwhelming doubt at times, a source of discouragement, confusion that led to many spiritual struggles for the people of God. What was the answer always given? The answer was simply to have faith in God who made the promise. If hope is a confident expectation that is based not on us, but on the character and the word of the person making the promise, then we must establish and continue a strong faith in God. Isaiah 46 speaks of this very dynamic as Isaiah addresses the nation of Israel or God is addressing Isaiah on behalf of the nation. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done saying... My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. I have spoken, I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. I can't think of words that would be any more of a call to our heart to increase our hope, to sustain our hope in God than words such as these. We can have faith in God Almighty. We too must learn to wait with confidence in God. A father who has shown himself faithful in so many promises to us. We must learn to rest in his wisdom, his purpose, his plan, his timing, and his overwhelming care for us. A promise made, a Messiah would come. This evening we come and we celebrate the incarnation of Christ. 
We celebrate the promise fulfilled. We say with Simeon, as Pastor Jason read to us just a moment ago, he was waiting for the hope, the consolation of Israel. He had waited and God had promised that he would see the salvation of Israel. He would see the Messiah. And we see the hope fulfilled. I'm often struck how God so many times when he moves to fulfill a promise moves quickly in comparison to the amount of time that we have to wait. The sudden nature of how radically life can change in a moment a promise made long ago comes to fruition. You think about the, the announcement and the birth of Jesus. Centuries, centuries, literally thousands of years having passed since that initial promise and still they were waiting. 400 years of silence from the last recorded words in the book of Malachi. 400 years of silence for the people of God. And suddenly, the silence was broken when an angel came to a priest named Zechariah. Zechariah, on a very ordinary day, was at the temple doing that which he had done for years, taking his service in his course at the temple. God makes an announcement to him that his wife, Elizabeth, who has been barren and well now beyond normal childbearing years, would have a son. And this son would be the one who would prepare the way for the Messiah. It's hard to put ourselves in that place to think of the years and the waiting, the expectation, and to realize how radically it changed in the fulfillment of this promise as he addresses Zechariah. Six months later, God announces to Mary that she, a young virgin, would conceive and bear a son and that he would be called the Son of the Most High God. What overwhelming news. What hope is being fulfilled here. The waiting of the Messiah, the waiting for the Son of God, the waiting for him to come and deliver his people. In the fullness of time, Jesus is born. The promise is fulfilled. As Jason read just a few moments ago, it says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign for you, that you shall find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace with those with whom he is pleased. I wish our brother Sean could be here this evening to give us these words that he wrote back in 2016. Pastor Jason printed out for us a series of Advent call to worships that Sean had done. Let me read one. It so captures what I'm speaking of this evening. So we lift our eyes in wonder and fill our hearts with joy as we contemplate the hope and longing of the nations in our infant king with throughout the ages the whispered promise he is coming 
in the tragedy of sin entering the world and the sorrow of the first man and woman being cast from a garden into a world of thorns and thistles, death and heartbreak, the promise first spoken of the sin crusher, he is coming. In the covenants with the patriarchs, that from their seed would come one through whom the whole world would be blessed. He is coming. In the 400 years of God's people spent bound in the chains of Egypt, all hope was gone save for one hope. He is coming. In the law thundering from Sinai and the blood of the sacrifices pouring forth from the altar, pointing to one who would fulfill the law and be himself the sacrifice. He is coming. In the songs of the psalmist, the promise of the prophets, the cries of the saints, all calling, He is coming. He is coming. He is coming. And then, in an explosion of glory, as angels sing to awestruck shepherd, the whispers of hope turn to the shout of certainty. For the king had arrived, not at the head of a mighty army, but in the arms of a young mother. He has come. He has come. Glory to God. He has come. Can't you just hear our brother saying that? Let me take just a moment and pick up the story in our life. A promise made. Jesus would tell us, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I, I would not have told you that I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Later, just a few hours or really just a few minutes, no doubt, after saying this to his disciples as they're leaving Jerusalem, Jesus prays to the Father. At the conclusion of that prayer, he says these words, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory. When Jesus ascended to heaven, two angels said to the disciples, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The scriptures end on this note. Behold, Jesus says, I am coming soon. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. And let those who hear say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take of the water of life without price. And in the very closing statements of the Scriptures, Jesus says this. Surely I am coming soon, and we respond, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Someday we will, as Sean has stated, say this, 
He has come. He has come. Glory to God. He has come. Our Father, might hope ring in our hearts this evening. Father, might our hearts celebrate the promise made, the hope fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And Lord, might the great promise of your coming again to take us unto yourself that where you are we may be also. Lord, we with John in the book of Revelation cry out, come Lord Jesus, even so come. Oh God, might your grace rest upon us, might your grace guide us, might your grace keep us. Father, might we on this Christmas Eve awaiting to celebrate the coming of Christ as we see it in history. Oh God, might our hearts celebrate you who are God and might we rest upon you entirely and completely. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen.
that's a beautiful scene out there. Our Father, how our hearts are overwhelmed this evening, overwhelmed by the truth of this moment, overwhelmed by the songs that we have sung, the songs that we have heard, the scriptures that have been read, the truth that has been proclaimed. Father, we are a, a blessed people to know you as our God. Father, thank you for Christ, for all of the multitude, a myriad of things that that means to us this evening. Lord, if there be one here without Jesus tonight, oh God, might the truth and the glory of the gospel call their hearts to Christ. Father, we love you. We give you glory and honor and praise. Amen. dismissed. <laughs> Merry Christmas.